0: hello friend you are listening to down the yellow brick pod an all things wizard of oz podcast that will take you over the rainbow and down a yellow brick rabbit hole as we pull back the curtain on american culture's most visited fairyland we are your hosts tara
1: and mk the royal revisionists of oz and roommates in queens new york here to preserve the rustic emeralds of yesteryear and reimagine an Oz for today and future generations. This season, we will be deep diving with the melodies of the many musical adaptations of L. Frank Baum's original Oz book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, taking up residency in the 1939 classic MGM film, as well as the 70s super soul hit, The Wiz.
0: Visit our Insta at Dale the Brick Pod for an accompanying scrapbook and fave space to connect, as well as our Patreon community, where we continue the escapism and entertainment with Tiny Oz concerts, acoustic coffee shop covers, and mashups not sponsored by NPR, and other good witchy perks for each Patreon tier. Our Patreons are truly our MVPs. Consider joining our Oz fam today. It would truly make our day.
1: May the world of Oz continue to be a bewitching escape in bewildering years, nostalgic and nuanced, and a magical refuge where two gals and queens can cross yellow brick roads with wonders like you. Cassine Gaines is an author, director educator, and popular culture historian. His work has received praise from media outlets around the world, including The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, NPR, The Hollywood Reporter, and Esquire. His muscular reporting has been celebrated by several New York Times best-selling authors, including Michael Davis and Brian J. Jones, who have found his work to be deeply researched and engagingly written. His latest book, Footnotes, The Black Artists Who Rewrote the Rules of the Great White Way, was published in May 2021 by Source Books. Beyond his books, he has been published at Vanity Fair, io9, and New York Magazine, and has written original features for Rolling Stone, The A.V. Club, and Decider. He has also worked as a consultant and ghostwriter on several narrative nonfiction projects. He holds a master's degree from Rutgers University in American studies, where he focused on racial representations in popular culture. And in addition to writing is co-artistic director of a nonprofit theater company he co-founded in 2005 and a high school English teacher in New Jersey, where he has taught for 14 years. Welcome listeners. Hey, Ter. Hey, Cassine. Hey. So glad to have you with us, Cassine. <laughs> so today's a very special episode because spoiler alert, we are meeting our villain of The Wiz, in yes. case you didn't know. Yeah. So Tare and I were thinking a lot about witches and their portrayal in stories. Mm-hmm. And there's this common theme that we're noticing, this idea of conventional physical beauty, Playing a part in the lives of witches. I recently watched *Hocus Pocus* because why not? It's October, <laughs> and they're very concerned with physical beauty. I think of *Tangled*. She—that's her oh, prime yeah. goal in yes, life—is yes. appearing conventionally beautiful. And it, Donna
0: Murphy. What is that witch's Donna name? Donna
1: Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Her—the character's name is totally Donna Murphy. What right is I her think. name? Ma- Mother Gothel. Mother Gothel.
0: Mother Gothel. That's right. Oh my gosh! Mother what a Donna name! Gothel. I know what a name. Mother.
1: <laughs> Mother. So we were also thinking about the idea of beauty getting equated with the idea of good mm-hmm. and evil being more haggard. Ugly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll get into it. But my question, and be as honest as you would like, <laughs> when do you, when it comes to witches or good versus evil in stories how does beauty come into play in a story sense that's question number one okay and question number two is branching out of the world of fairy tales and story just in everyday life how does this come up in your life of beauty getting equated getting equated with good and maybe a little shabbier with bad
2: Mm. all right who goes first
1: (laughs) Thank you Amazing. what?
2: <laughs> <something>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so um so with your first question, the first thing that came to my mind, and I, I think this is like an honest answer to the question. I think the first thing I was thinking about was Judy Garland, actually. I know we're talking the Wiz today, but I was thinking about yeah. Judy Garland and the way Glinda says to Dorothy are you a good witch or a bad witch yes only bad witches are ugly and so she's not entirely sure where where dorothy as played by judy garland falls
1: (laughs) on the beauty
2: scale you know like it's it's a it's an amazing dig and like no one like it just passes by you know like dorothy doesn't doesn't catch on to it i don't even know if like the filmmakers caught on to it you know but it's
0: TikTok has caught on to it. Yes. Yeah, it's
2: a meme, right? You know, but it, yes. it's just funny. And I, I think about how Judy Garland, who I always thought was so beautiful, you know, especially in The Wizard yes. of Oz. And, you know, that whole, you know, when she was out with, you know, with Mickey Rooney and doing the comedies, like I thought Judy Garland was just this amazingly beautiful person, but she never saw herself that way. You know, and so mm-hmm. I, I in the studio also didn't see her that way. And so I I think there's something interesting that that kind of classic encounter between Dorothy and Glinda also kind of reflected Judy Garland's like real Feelings about herself, like you know, sorry, to, like bring right. into like beauty Garland's trauma here so early in the in the conversation. But that it was, comes it, comes that was kind of my first thought. This idea that like beauty and goodness being equated, um, like on screen in this film. Yeah, in mm-hmm. that's kind of my answer to that. I don't even know if I really answered the question. Yes, yes,
1: question I did. yes. Mind, though, yeah, we're, we're yeah, we're just thinking about when it comes to witches in particular. Like, Which how does particular. this and maybe as a kid watching movies, like yeah, how yeah. did this play into your understanding of good or bad or the villain beauty coming into play?
0: I'll put in Halloween into the mix because mm. I always wanted to be like a pretty character, <laughs> you know, or like I would want to be like a good witch or something, you know, like I think when it comes to like choosing a costume, I would go for the likable, what, what is deemed likable when I was younger or like what I thought um, was the good, I would like follow that. And that always mm. tend to lend itself to a more um, glamour, Version. Mm-hmm. I always loved like Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls for just embracing <laughs> yes. that like hag which she takes on or mm-hmm. zombie creature. I forget what she does. I was like, I wish I had that in me. Like I definitely, <laughs> when I was little, it was like I wanted to be whoever was going to be like more. So I <laughs> think
2: Dude, I, I always loved the villains. You know, I loved yes. the witches. I mean, honestly, I'm thinking Hocus Pocus. You yeah. know, I, mean, I, I, I love loved them. just like evil kind of ugly characters because I always felt like they were just more interesting, like visually, you know what I mean? Like anyone can sort of be like, you know, in a big ball gown dress, you know, but like the witches always had their own unique style. And I feel like they're like no two witches on screen were ever really depicted the same way. So to me, that was always kind of more fun.
1: Hmm. I like that. I love this. I, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking of that recurring theme in films of the villain seeking to appear youthful or to appear yes, yes. pleasing to the eye and how that always is their downfall. Into the woods
0: too. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And how mm. it ultimately destroys them in the end, like seeking some superficial layer of beauty.
0: The crone not having any like validation, I guess mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a, like the crone phase of the witch. when I think is, I think the witch is the most powerful in the crone phase because they've been here the longest, mm-hmm. but, like, that being denounced mm-hmm. is interesting in a lot of these stories. Mm-hmm.
2: But then I think about examples where, like, that's sort of subverted, like, even Snow White, you know, yes. where, like, you have... And then, you know, Vision, You know, you have, ah. like, these kind of, like the the physicality doesn't change all that much. You know, it's kind of like just the costume and kind of like the demeanor. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something sort of interesting about that. I never, I never really, see, I never, I haven't had this realization now that we're talking about it. I've, I never really was all that interested in like the kind of um, like slinky, evil, like sexy witch, you know, like that. that never really was interesting to me. I like kind of like, the the kind of ugly and like a little bit Same. unhinged because mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of like a craziness that comes with it too
0: like mm-hmm. i love Eveline.
1: she's yeah
0: Eveline is fantastic yeah. just and that's what's cool about the witches and oz is that they are full out like in their in their archetype they're mm-hmm. full out version we don't have the witches in oz wanting beauty they like the, maybe who knows i we still don't ever really know why they want those damn slippers we don't know. What, <laughs> we don't know what she's going to use have it for. To, yep. Maybe it has to do with youth. Maybe it is a connection
2: to youth. We yeah. talk about. Oh, do I add? I'm so sorry, but now see, you should have asked this question because now I'm just thinking <laughs> about all this. I, so I, I want to know how does like Alphaba oh, fit into order. what we're talking about here? Because her. I, I don't think that she is ugly. She's like you know that's kind of the thing, right? right. I she's think she's
1: gorgeous. Really Right, right right if you look at close-ups of these people playing alphabet they look incredible and they Absolutely always beautiful. cast
0: they always cast women with the most intense eyes eyes
1: and seen. like the yeah. makeup is In
0: gorgeous.
2: Structure, right? It's always,
1: yes. the makeup is fierce even i mean so that's, let's just question the taste of
0: shiz university <laughs> for a second because <laughs> yeah. it really is all on but yeah yeah that's that's funny too like I see Alphabet as gorgeous. Yeah. she is deemed in the. She would world be like a
1: cool, as cool unconventional. Girl. <laughs> I feel like
0: in as a as a Gen Zer,
1: yeah, she's a cool Gen. Yeah, Z. she's a cool Gen Zer, but yeah. a
0: millennial, she maybe yeah. would feel out of place.
1: Right, right.
2: See, and um, I'm thinking like she like feels to me like a Gen X, like kind of like a Janine oh. Garofalo kind of type. You know, like a my so called life. You know, she seems like a little. She's got a little bit of a. a a grunge side. I feel that's what I feel. But then yeah. I also think it sounds like every generation just wants to kind of claim Elphaba as, as part of their own.
1: For sure.
0: Elphaba. This is true. She <laughs> she is living through all the generations. Yeah. 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 It's kind of amazing right now She's witnessing timeless. this wicked like resurgence too. Like I think out of all the musicals that have reopened back on the Broadway, Wicked is probably getting the I most yeah. attention yeah. as like mm-hmm. iconic musical theater coming back. Cause I guess, like, if we're looking at all the shows that have been around the longest, like Lion King, Chicago, mm-hmm. Book of Mormon, which is still not open yet, Phantom. Phantom. I don't believe Book of Mormon's open um, yet. Yeah, like, Wicked makes the most sense to what we just witnessed yeah. in this yeah. past year and a half. <laughs> it does. It, I, and I do think it might be one of the best written musicals yes. out of the ones coming back or the most crisp and fresh production elements mm-hmm. um, it doesn't feel ones-
2: like it's 20 years old you know that's cool. the crazy part about it no
0: it and really that, doesn't. it keeps getting this like i guess like to bring it to your question of like um which which is in youth it does feel like it has a witch witchy youth mm-hmm. to it wicked especially mm-hmm. what was your second question
1: Second question is, we've sort of touched on it, of, like, (laughs) our Halloween costumes, which I love. Right, okay, so I answered that. (laughs) Maybe more stereotypical, like, oh, this is pleasing to the eye, or beautiful, or it all looks, uh, I'm thinking of, like, the green goggles, even, in the original novel of, like, everything looks gorgeous and glittering, and it's actually maybe not. But we equate this glittering facade with, oh, well, it's good, it can be trusted, and if it's disheveled, it must be bad. Are there examples of that? I feel like politicians,
0: I feel that way.
2: <laughs> Boy, I feel like, and I feel like everything. <laughs> everything.
0: Just, this just, is just, true. Yeah.
2: The, way the older I get, the more I realize like nothing is beautiful. <laughs>
0: like, everything, everything is Yeah, just, everything yeah. is like very complex. Everything has shades. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but also it's kind of, it's kind of what you make of it. You know, like you know, if you, like you can find, like ignorance is bliss, you know, to some extent, and like you can find like your little pocket of comfort, you know, like you can. I, I guess this is what I'm saying, very inarticulately, is you're only beautiful or ugly, like in the presence of other people. Do you get what I'm saying? Like mm. if you're by yourself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Then There's nothing bad there. The true
0: bomb of this episode already. If you're like, by
1: yourself, it doesn't.
0: Yeah, like what does this even mean if we're not making measuring sticks out of it? Yeah,
2: exactly. This is.
1: I've been. Yeah. Wow. I've been thinking a lot of. Wow. Um. Now I'm thinking of like makeup, the makeup industry, oh. because I've been thinking a lot about like, do I like wearing makeup? Do I like doing my hair? I recently stopped coloring my hair, dyeing it. Um. And it's like, it's funny because I feel like when you're put together. And like have the full face of makeup, people are like, "Oh, you're really trying! Like you're here, you're ready for the day." (laughs) And that's like the stereotype, right? Or maybe that's my own. Is that
2: what people really say? No, they don't use that exact term. Well, there's the
1: opposite one where, or they trust you. Days, if I presentable, right? You look professional. Or I feel like if I went into a job interview with no makeup, I personally would would feel insecure, and I hate that I would feel that. Or there's like, oh, you look tired today because you don't have makeup on.
0: And also, like, ma- this is where I get it with makeup. It's just, like, I mean, it's, okay. <laughs> where do, how do I, like, <laughs> not make this whole episode about this? Um, I just, man, like, I think it's where most of, I would say, a lot of female money, dollars, hard-earned it dollars go. It is a go. huge and industry. men don't even tap into this industry the way women typically do or like let's say like female presenting folks um tap into this industry and it like kind of dominates where our money directs every month like there's always something going to skincare (laughs) or to makeup i'm like wait why is this only on like (laughs) one one gender right one gender
2: so i i don't boy i mean i don't even know if this is like an invasive question i don't think it is but it might be i mean like when you say dollar like how much a month oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. do you spend on now i i'm gonna i'm gonna be really specific in the question, yeah, like things that other people can see, like skincare yeah. that is noticeable, not like. You know, maybe like a, a nighttime regimen. Although um, maybe you would say that no. that's something that people. Yeah, people spend a lot on, on that. There's, that's where my money goes the, the most.
0: I would say probably month is kind of hard. The pandemic has changed things because I'm like, I don't care as much mm-hmm. as I used to. So that definitely has changed things. <laughs> like I'm not in makeup right now. Let's go back to like 20, 2019. Okay, <laughs> Back in the yeah. day. I would say at least 100 a month at minimum. So that's what? That's 1200 a year Woo! going to makeup.
1: I think, yeah, for Cause me... Because we're,
0: we're actors, too, so, yes. like, they don't provide that, no. like, at...
2: That's not counting... You're you're leaving hair out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm it, it, leaving
0: hair out of it. Like, add hair into is, the mix, which... Oh. Yeah, add hair into the mix. That adds probably, like, I would say, like, anywhere probably $50 more Oh, God, if we're getting our hair done, I mean, I was it. thinking
1: when I used to <laughs> get my hair done, and I was... I wasn't even on top of it. Like, so I think you're supposed to get it done. i
0: like, go three times a year.
1: Yeah. I would go maybe <laughs> twice, and it's, like, at least... 150 at least
0: 150 minimum I've paid way more than that
1: before so that's a big reason I've stopped
0: <laughs> right and then there's we're not even talking about nails and then nails that's a whole other thing that eyebrows, be like 40 a month eyebrow waxing um all the other <laughs> kinds of waxing like it dominates I was telling um so I lead women's circles and I had said out loud in the swimming circle I was leading that we were sharing like what we feel like we're a student of right now and i shared i'm a student of learning to love my face as she ages right now it's learning yeah. to love that's, that's,
2: though. God, that's not that's not like Ooh, that. wait,
0: wait though so my phone <laughs> my phone heard that and i have been getting botox ads from instagram
2: no yes. oh there, it goes. No. there,
0: it there you go like there, there it is. is there's like the ultimate wicked witch right like the algorithm oh, no. is a wicked witch oh, no. slash wizard slash like what is what right <laughs> Right. Just trying to keep us
2: in. Oh, uh, that's a sad that's a sad ending to the story. <laughs> it is. That story took a turn, that uh, I was uh, not prepared I, for.
1: <laughs> Cassine, I say, scroll up. We don't need to look at that. A <laughs> well, happier ending is what you said, Cassine, of when you're by yourself. Yes. And I and that, that equates to like finding beauty in your own self, which I think we all need more of in our life.
2: Believe in yourself, yeah. right from the start.
1: Believe <sighs> <sighs> yourself. Done. Your-
0: amazing well
1: <laughs> let's go to a
0: sweatshop <laughs> shall we shall we? Let's the do opposite it. yeah <laughs> listeners we're so happy we have you here for some Eveline. I love Eveline so much. So we are going to break down how we each individually took in this scene through our bullet points Then we'll get into some musical comparisons and go off-roading a bit with what this scene made us think about, what stood out to us. There's so much to share I can't (laughs) wait. So you know what y'all I'll kick us off with some bullet points. Sound good? Yay. Let's relive the scene. Let's Let's relive relive it. it. Okay. Cut to a perspiring sign promoting Eveline sweatshop manufacturers and exporters of sweat, where, who's this? Our bullying crows, a few perfumed poppies, and the return of our subway peddler have been wrangled off the streets of Oz and presumably trafficked into this forced labor warehouse of imprisonment. A chain gang of masked workers disguising their true identities in oppressive layers of red cloth, working like an assembly line under hot lights. But I have to say this stage right front row worker is the only one who has a bounce. She is <laughs> bouncing. Like she's got a little pop, boom, boom. and I watched her the whole time. Yes. So she's like committed to this lifestyle. Her. When all of a sudden, a classic clown witch, Eveline, marches through the line, giving off modern day Loki headdress vibes <laughs> in a junkyard gown of evil eyes and cluttered bling. Towards her throne where she begins her stewing song demanding no bad news as she inspects her frantically jumping, fabric swashing and tireless workers shuffling under tables, bowing down and popping back up like they're at a backwards religious revival and trying to stay out of this threatening wicked witch with a whip's way bullet point number two. <laughs> the song ends in bell t- and a bell tolls as Eveline slams her whip yelling work, work, work in an impressive full voice vocal fry and cancels lunch hour, which ain't nothing new showing us what happens if you speak out against her hot-headed horrifying authority. Then quickly changing the subject to Diana Dorothy, announcing she is summoning her flying monkeys, who apparently smell very foul, <laughs> to an automated Oh no, not the flying monkey <laughs> response from her workers as they soon come barreling in on silver winged motorcycles, over exaggerated, offensive caricatures, cracking jokes, and sent off to capture our four friends and Toto too as Evelyn sprays air freshener, posts their exit, and enjoys a mini reprise of No Bad News on top. <laughs> Number three. Cut to a Metless, (laughs) Jetless, Shea Stadium of Oz, where our four and Toto two, who ain't scared, ain't have nothing to be scared about, are soon caught like deers in headlights by the Flying Monkey Motor Brigade, leading to a children's theater chase scene in which they all split up, (laughs) winding ramps with Tim Nipsey practicing his soft shoe routine going up a down escalator and getting nowhere, until finally Diana Dorothy finds a trash bin to hide in. The Scarecrow, Tin Man, and then the Lion following, all while making a hell of a lot of noise. And finally, a whimpering Toto, which breaks my heart, responding to Diana Dorothy these classic toto cries all huddled together to finally being cornered by the monkeys no escaping this time that is it <laughs> toto Toto, classic toto Toto. i just love her and her and she's like lion she oh. just it's her too Th- those are it for me over and over lion
1: toto over and over <laughs> it's so good it's a good uh, warm-up. Yeah. It's ah, right in there. Right
2: in the mask. Yeah, right in there. <laughs> that's got a, that's a vocal fry performance too. Her her register oh is particularly gosh. shrill at, at the screaming throughout the movie.
0: Are you a fan of Miss Ross in this in this movie?
2: Oh, well, uh, goes the rest of our time, sorry. right? I mean there <laughs> <I mean, laughs> like, <a> loaded
0: question. <laughs>
2: here's that's that's a huge question. Can I I all right I'm going to I'll answer but I I want to know like what other people's thoughts are like like as you've been going through yeah, this yeah. journey mm-hmm. So I here's <laughs> The Wiz to me is like such an amazing movie like in parts like I love every aspect of it Yes but when you put it all together it's like the weirdest thing <laughs> but like It's like, I think there are some movies that like are meant to be watched on mute or like the soundtrack is great or like still photography, like everything about it, all the pieces when you deconstruct it are perfect. But like, I really think there's something about like the glue being like Diana Ross. And I like Diana Ross, but something about it just like... the whole thing kind of rests like in her hand. And it's sort of like a weird, it's, it's a, it's a choice. I love a bold (laughs) choice, choice. but it's a choice that like, I don't know if it works for me. Mm. I don't know if it works for me, like in the regular confines of like an Oz story. Like I would love if it were like some sort of like a return to like another Oz adventure, I could 3000% get behind that. It's a little bit hard to superimpose like a grown adult New Yorker, you know, like being like New Yorkers in the seventies aren't, aren't afraid like that. You know what I mean? Like this, that's just not New York in the seventies. Like she is living in some fantasy version of New York. <laughs> you know, I feel right, like before right. she even goes to Oz. Um,
0: we have so a- that.
2: That's kind of my sense of it.
0: We have a fan Mm. theory that came from one of our listeners, which is amazing, that maybe Diana's not from the city. Maybe she's from Kansas or from the country because our listener, Tibby, brought up that she's really comfortable shooing away the crows. She's really comfortable, like, in these certain little tiny moments that have nothing to do with city life. But in city life, she is genuinely crumbling. Out of her element. Yeah, completely out of her element. Like, I just think of her... In their mold City sequence, trying to like be hit, <laughs> and it's like, no <laughs> not girl. but she, I, you are not alone. Miss Ross has had a lot of um, conflicting opinions through our time mm-hmm. working our way through the Whiz. I think we just love her in a camp culty way. She's got like, that, you that she's cult-y way. It?
2: Like, do you think she? Here is the thing. Like, if we can, like, for one second, like take a tangent to like Dear Evan Hansen and the it film. It always
1: goes there. We go there a lot. We go there a lot.
2: Okay, all right, right. so <laughs> great. So I've not seen it because I have a weak stomach. The movie? But I but I, I, I just won't, I can't, I won't. I, I'm i like the, I might be the only person in the world I haven't in seen it theater yet. who did not like Dear Evan Hansen on stage, frankly, <laughs> so I, I can't see it on screen. Like, That's But funny. I feel like there's something about Ben Platt physically overcompensating and like really kind of like the shoulders are up, like the head is sunken. Like he's like doing a, a like a really bad caricature of mm-hmm. just from the trailers. And I, and, and like the trailers are the two minutes that they think best represent his performance, <laughs> you know? So I, I feel like Diana Ross in the whiz is Somewhere between being an adult and, like, also being, like, like sort of an infantile, like, adult. And I kind of... Her performance actually doesn't bother me. Like, it's it's a little odd, but I'm, I'm here I'm for it. I'm with you on you know? that. I'm okay.
0: I'm here for um,
2: it. <laughs> I just think the idea of casting an adult... Period. Like to me, I think the most important moment of The Wiz is like that, like family sequence, like in the beginning, where like, you we know, the scene. feeling we would like, there's, you could do, you have, you have done, you know, like you could do like a whole, there's like, that's a therapy session, that's you a, know, that's 100.
0: like, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: that's a, that's something happening there. I don't know. There's a whole backstory with, with this character that I, I wish we knew more about.
1: Agreed. Mm, I like what you said that it's a choice. It is a very strong choice, Diana Ross's Dorothy.
0: Well, she makes everyone else, though. Like, the Scarecrow's just as insecure as her, which is interesting. Like, it's just funny. Like, the dynamics, we, we always often wonder, like, what if the Broadway musical had more of the open door to just go and make itself into the movie rather than this Sydney Sid- Lumet version right. with Diana Ross. But we know it probably wouldn't exist without Diana Ross because she was the name they needed to get mm-hmm. this produced. Casey, do you want to do your bullet points next? Oh, so I, yes. So
2: I can do my bullet points. My bullet points are so succinct because I didn't know that they were like full. So I kind of gave like, If I were giving a PowerPoint presentation, what I would have on the slides and then I would elaborate um, on that. So I have um, high energy, low energy chain gang dance with fabric. That was my first bullet point.
0: Excellent. Perfection.
2: Second bullet point was motorcycle puppet monkeys, overgrown hair problematic that was my second bullet point
0: mm, yeah mm-hmm.
2: interesting puppets though but that's a whole separate thing and then the the last bullet point was scooby-doo-esque chase <laughs> yeah. sequence yeah. leads to dumpster mayhem
1: <laughs> that is yes. my third
2: bullet
0: point also it's like quincy jones what are you thinking with this arrangement that
1: accompanies yeah, that, that was like
2: <laughs> that was a that was a, an interesting sequence, and I like Diana Ross doing the classic it, again, like like Little Rascals as Scooby Doo as like popping her head up over the whatever she was behind, like the barricade thing, popping her head up and kind of like looking around and then calling over. Very um interesting, interesting choices. Scooby Doo
0: is a great reference. That's a great one. That's you nailed it. Yeah, that was excellent. Thank you for those. All
1: right, um. Fantastic. Hit All us right with your bullets. Baby. Here we go. Bullet point number one: Descending deep beneath the streets of New York City, we arrive at Eveline's sweatshop, manufacturers and exporters of sweat. We hear the high-pitched sound of iron-hitting iron, hitting iron. Mm, as a line of weathered-looking <laughs> crows, dishevelled poppies, One of the poppies with only one high heel on. I really feel for that particular poppy. (laughs) I've been there, weirdly. And even the subway peddler, hey, are limping along as rows and rows of winkies clad in red wave strips of cloth in the air to a synchronized rhythm as sparks fly beneath the gate rising slowly as purple and red smoke fill the air, revealing the Wicked Witch of the West, Eveline, sporting an iconic dress covered in a mesmerizing array of jewels, diamonds, red, purple, and gold textures, and who knows what else? Who knows? Pieces of her hair sticking straight out from her head beneath an angular crown and curved red slippers on her feet, Grimacing with tiny teeth as she takes her place on an oversized throne, which actually appears to be a giant, a giant toilet and begins to sing threateningly. Don't nobody bring me no bad news. Bullet point number two. Excellent details. Yes. yes. I feel like I'm like giving a school presentation. (laughs) I never print this out. Bullet point number two. The masked winkies give us their best jazz hands crawling on the floor, carrying rolls of fabric around the sweatshop, high kicking and waving cloth in the air as Eveline paces in their midst, belting and barking out her commands, fiercely cracking a whip as several of the workers collapse, sprawled out in the center of the floor. And after finishing her power anthem returns to her toilet throne, shrieking work, 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 and that all lunch hours have been canceled, ominously seething suffering is food for the soul sending a spark of light and fire with a flick of her wrist towards a concerned winky proclaiming that she will now summon her flying monkeys to the horror of the winkies bullet point number three with more sparks of fire and light a gang of monkey motorcyclists wheel noisily into the sweatshop black curly hair and beards falling from their tight caps and large goggles their bodies completely covered in black leather suits and huge gloves as Eveline commands the monkeys to bring Dorothy and friends to her immediately and not to damage those silver slippers as the monkeys wheel away and Eveline sprays her own personal brand of Oz Febreze for bras (laughs) or Oz Breeze as immediately the flying monkeys screech through hallways and platforms outside Shea Stadium chasing after Dorothy and friends in a classic chase scene the tin man finding himself comically stuck in the center of an escalator Nipsey Probably what it. I would be doing in this scenario. <laughs> Dorothy running for her life on the roof of the stadium, all culminating in all four friends, eventually finding each other to huddle together in a laundry bin. Toto adorably leaping into Dorothy's arms. I love that moment. Thinking they're finally safe to breathe a sigh of relief as suddenly the motorcycle monkeys have them surrounded as ominous trumpets blare overhead. <gasps> <gasps> Excellent work.
0: Okay. Okay. Wow, y'all, we're into it. Well, let us start by going back to the musical, just to like present what was happening in the original book by Mister William F. Brown. So, bringing bringing us back to that script, this is a lot. This is way different. The mm-hmm. most general, the most general difference is that this scene is much longer in the Broadway musical. And I remember when I watched it, we both went to the Lincoln Center Library to sit down and watch what they have, which is the '90s touring revival with stephanie at the beacon mills and mm-hmm. andre Shields. this scene felt like please be over and
1: it's need so keep cold in that room <laughs> so oh yeah like, watching Whoa. it it's very cold yeah. oh
2: no yeah it was I'm
1: freezing cold. in that life i was really feeling this it. was a scene that
0: i felt like dragged. so i'm i am appreciative of the movie's length Sustinct. but yeah. there are things that i miss from Eveline in the musical. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a Lord High Underling. There's Mm -hmm. like a winky chant happening and she's being pushed on onto this throne that is not a toilet
1: um played by uncle henry ralph wilcox oh so uncle henry doubles up as lord high
0: underling wow i didn't realize that that is interesting interesting right but not as like a subconscious choice it's more just like the actors we need you back on stage yeah Yeah. we need you back
1: (laughs) at this please hurry up give you something to do
0: uncle henry is so um useless (laughs) in the ways he's literally like tornado
1: <laughs> end. Yeah. like I need something. Else Dorothy to do. has
0: no relationship with him in the musical. There's no like, yeah, fondness right. in this. Yeah,
2: I mean, in fairness, Toto is pretty useless in the stage play as well. Yeah, I mean, Toto's, you know, so Toto's kind of the Uncle Henry. You
0: know, <laughs> of Toto and Uncle the Henry uncle shared a dressing room. Yeah, from they, from they were chilling, I, from what I know. They Who played knows? cards. Yeah, they play. played cards. They they look checkers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So we get right into the song after the Lord High Underling makes some screams of making way for Eveline. So she does have this big entrance, which from the YouTube clips I've seen usually gets a massive applause. So people love to hate, love to cheer on Eveline, which is great. Just to describe Eveline from what it says in the stage direction. Um, Eveline herself is low-down evil.
1: Low-down evil. One just knows
0: there isn't a kind bone in her imposing body or a good thought in her rotten mind. Mm. Wow. So that's quite the description. I always think I'm like, okay, like going into an audition, being like, okay, okay great. let me read this about this character. And then I need to take that on. Low-down
2: evil. Low Let's down, see. Low-down
0: evil. Low-down evil. Love it. On her massive throne. And then this goes right. She silences everyone. She says shut up a lot. That is her... Go to shut up is her go to, and then she sings no bad news, which starts off with a sweet little piano <laughs> intro. I think what lyrics jump out at you in no bad news? Like which ones do you really hear? What do you feel from this song? Because it's pretty much the same as in the film. Mm-hmm. The presentation's a little bit different, but I think this is this stays in the same world. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So I so. In thinking about, like, my favorite lyrics, I really love just, like, the wordplay of you can verbalize and vocalize and mm-hmm. just bring me the clues.
1: Yes! Yeah,
2: And I feel like yeah. in in the stage play especially, you see, like, that kind of... like You really see the characters trying to operate within the confines of, like, what she will allow, you know? And so right, I yes. think that's a good little... She's setting the parameters, the parameters up right there, and then you see it play itself out.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I love that alliteration. That's, I in know, that line. it's fun. That's good. Yeah.
1: Em, do you have one? What stands out to me is if you're going to bring me something, bring me something I can use. Because <laughs> don't nobody bring me no bad news. That's very threatening. Don't even approach me unless it's something that will benefit me. So I don't want to have that mm-hmm. kind of relationship with anyone. You have to
0: be reading her mind. Yeah. That's what your job is. If you work for her, you have to be in her mind. Right. Which is always an impossible task. Yeah. To have. You're never going to succeed. I chose better watch the way you better watch the way you place the words that you might Chance to choose.
1: Mm. Well,
0: mm. better that's watch fine. the way you place the words that you might chance to choose. Like mm. that's another thing.
1: Tongue twister.
0: That is. That's a tongue twister, and to you better think about what you say to me.
1: Mm you have to even the words you're saying need to be structured in a certain way which sets up everyone being very flimsy in their language very
0: fearful in their language in these upcoming scenes they're all very afraid to speak to her because they know it's not going to go well right they know they don't have a chance Mm -hmm. but what's really cool I love in the musical versions that I've seen is the liberties that Eveline seems to take I think of when I've watched Patty LaBelle clips as Mama Morton in Chicago just going to church Taking some breaks, you know, for the crowd to join her, lots of Amazing. cheering, lots of it's like not necessary, but so necessary. Need all of that, yes, and please. that feels like Eveline had some of those liberties in the musical version. She was allowed to go off-roading, which I loved, which doesn't happen in the movie because she doesn't have the audience, I guess, to play right. With. Right. So, um, that is fun to see in some of the clips that I've watched from the stage production of the original. And then we get into Can this whole, cool... yeah.
2: Do you do you think it's a like for a performer? Do you think it's like liberating that it's a positive to play a character that you know from the moment you step out on stage? You're gonna like people are people are waiting the whole show to see you to see what they did with the costume, what they did with the makeup, how you're gonna play this part. Like, is that intimidating or is that freeing? for these performers to sort of like the expectation almost yeah. being to put your own spin on it and like, let's see what you can do.
0: Uh, I'm going to call my good friend, Mary J. Blige. and see yeah. what, she hey, hey, what do you um,
1: think? I, I love it. Yeah, you love it. Okay. I mean, I've never gotten to play a villain, sadly. No one will cast me as a villain. <laughs> I wonder why. Um, but I would imagine... I you just made me think it would feel like a mixture of both because you sort of have this, everyone loves a villain. We love the villain. We love them. So there's already this adoration and admiration and joy that you already are going to have when you set foot upon the stage. But there's also this like responsibility of living up to people's expectations. But I would think that there would, yeah, definitely be an element of freedom of I can just have fun with this. That's why I really want to play a villain because I feel like you can more so than maybe like a more classic ingenue or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. You can bend the rules a little bit. It's a little more acceptable.
2: But it doesn't just have to be a villain. I mean, I'm saying like, I'm thinking like a like Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. You know, like, like when Audrey steps out on stage, like people are like, okay, let's see how you play this. You know, like yeah, Maureen yeah, and yeah. Ren. Like there are just these characters, like Rizzo. You know, there are these yeah. characters that like people, they come with kind of like a, an expectation. A yeah, right, right.
0: Right, I yeah. feel like I've, I've replaced before, but never in something that's so iconic um, in a way that I guess would get that like compare and contrast like the gals Mm -hmm. who play Alphaba and Glinda really get this, especially because of YouTube. Like there's the compilation videos now that compare performances from everything I know from, from gals that I've listened to talk about this, who have gone through the whole wicked machine. I think they're the best example to use next to this Mm -hmm. um, is you can't read the comments. You just can't Mm -hmm. because you're going to be someone's favorite and someone else is going to be like, that's not it. Like, and you're going to see it all and it's just not going to be helpful to Mm -hmm. you. So yeah, I think I would, I think I would have to not focus on the fact of like how everyone, because everyone probably wants the role one way. I think what's cool about Evelyn is she has this like moment from the stage production where you could do what you want, which I wonder I bet people have their favorites. They're deaf. Oh my gosh, this is all coming back. So we have some research from the Lincoln center library and there's like letters of people. um, There's fan letters included. There is letters between um, Ken Harper, the original producer and like trying to pitch the show. There's so much, but there's a lot of hate mail for whoever replaced Mabel a lot. Mm. Mabel King, who we're going to get into Mm -hmm. and it may have come from someone in the cast. That's
2: crazy. Ooh. Drama.
0: I think it is from someone in the cast, and it's really awful and mean. But
1: This it, is what happens now just on Instagram. Yeah, it just happens now <laughs> on Instagram. So yeah. i the stage door.
2: But Instagram, you can, like, say, like, you know, I had a, a glass of wine, and I, you know, I, I want to, like, a bender. Like, to, the, to sit there and, like, write out a I note know. and then, like, send it, you know?
1: That is next level.
2: That's next level. You know, no bad news. That's bad news.
1: That's (laughs) very bad news. I think Um, that happens. I mean, I feel like that happens a lot when you replace. And I, I feel like it's hard when the, the actor who originates a role, it's hard to, you still compare who you're seeing to them, even subconsciously, just especially like wicked. I've listened to the cast recording a thousand million times. So you're going to be like, Oh, that's different. So it's, It's almost inevitable that there's going to be some comparison, but I'd like to think there's room for different interpretations. Right.
0: I think what's cool is like you could find the strengths of each performer because they're all going to be different. Like, I don't think Mabel King is like a singer. Like, I really don't from this performance, from what I've heard on the cast screen. But she's a force. Yeah. You know, and like I respect that about her when she walks, charges forward. And like a waddle charge, like it's, it's very fierce. fierce. Like yeah. she d- commands, imposing, mm-hmm. um, and that is the energy. I would prefer that energy than great vocals for her. Like, right. and then there's going to be, you know, there's going to be someone who's going to lay down the vocals, but right. maybe they won't have that domineering of a presence. Right. So I, yeah, that's always. This is like I guess always like every actor knows when you take on a role that's iconic, mm-hmm. you're going to be dealing with this in some way. Yeah. And I guess we all have to like talk ourselves off of legend when it comes to that, when it comes to this. I'm like, okay. Yes. Yes. So we get into this scene and it's between her, Eveline and Lord High Underling. Uncle Henry. Um, she's asking for him, Uncle Henry. She's asking for him. He has to call her beautiful mistress. Um there's a whole moment where he has to kiss her feet and she's really enjoying that. Some of the Evelyns I've watched sing all of this and they get a lot of audience attention, a lot of audience applause and laughter. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of a foot fetish thing happening here. Um, He has to be Lord High Underling has to be on his knees when he talks to her. So there's a lot of just like, diminishing other people's presence to feel powerful. Yeah. Um, Then there's a terrified messenger who gets dragged in Mm -hmm. um, and the messenger says, I got a really good piece of good news for you dot, dot, dot mostly. So this, (laughs) this messenger knows they don't have any good news and are trying to decorate it up. Mm -hmm. So this poor messenger delivers three parts of news saying, firstly, Dorothy and her friends are still on their way up here, and they're going to do you in. They try to make that, like, something that'll make her laugh, (laughs) and then she silences them with her classic shut up, and then the messenger says, secondly, we couldn't get the silver slippers away from Dorothy. That gets Eveline angry, and then quickly with the thirdly, and I gotta go now. That's, and thirdly, I gotta go now. So there's this whole little bit between them, and Eveline calls out, you brought me nothing but bad news. Where's the good news that you promised? Um, and then she puts a pox <laughs> on Lord High Underling and the messages, the messenger's houses, um, which I guess is, you know, trying to have a nice little reference to Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> um, there's a weird little comedic moment with the Lord High Underling saying, my summer place too. She does her classic shut up. Oh, this is where voodoo gets presenced, which is absent in the film, which we can talk about that like, I was researching this very little, like uh, just a little tiny bit with um, like the Tichaba character from the crucible and like that being typically how black women, witches were portrayed and the musical puts in a voodoo element, but the movie doesn't seem to have that, which we could talk about. Um, yeah. There's this, there's these chants. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She, so she does her three long voodoo chants toward the messenger and brings him back. And then she calls two Winkies to hang them, hang the messenger, oh, yeah.
0: hang the messenger. Right? Uh, they
1: drag him off, and not the, necessary. The stage directions <laughs> say that she then opens two huge eyeballs on her breasts, her ample breasts, her ample breasts, ample. That is a description.
2: Attributes matter. Yeah,
0: yeah, It is in the stage
1: directions. Ample breasts. <laughs> she <laughs> I giggled when I read that. <laughs> ample. It's just a great word. She pulls on, like, a string to make the eyelids blink and thus summons her flying monkeys. And she performs voodoo again. And uh, the leader of the winged monkeys arrives. She commands the leader of the winged monkeys to bring Dorothy and friends back to her. Quote, she says, when I get my hands on... Dorothy's silver slippers. All of Oz will kiss my feet. So back to the foot thing. She
0: loves her feet. (laughs) Shoes, (laughs) shoes,
1: and feet are a big part of Oz. It's
2: so odd that she has these voodoo powers and yet needs the very analog method of like the the ample breast eye device. Like she like somehow that is an important component yeah. of her of her right. sorcery. Like,
1: why don't you do some magic girl? I, I, I yeah. like that the monkeys
0: are there the description of the monkeys is interesting in this script. Um they're they're uttering a karate attack scream when they enter, <laughs> yeah. so that's interesting. We've been noticing the references to like kung fu in this script, which of course was huge at, at this the time. time, yeah. So that's really present. Yeah. Um, and also, I like that they put on the words of the wing monkeys that they are the hitmen for mm-hmm. her, so they're the ones right. who do, do her, her. bidding. It's like yeah. mafia, mob boss, yeah. like they're the people who take out yeah. the threats. Yeah. That she just has to call upon and and send. But there's all this stuff with karate attack exercises and like high pitched screaming that is attached to the monkeys in the musical version. Yeah. So it's
2: funny. I I directed once um a high school version of The Wiz in yeah. 2011. Yeah. So you take me back cuz I'm like like nope, I know. I remember this and I will say while I know this is a no-no, but I'm going to admit to it cuz I think it's kind of funny. It was always funny to me. There was one little thing like literally one little line that I added to this scene when I did it with my high schoolers, which was when the um, the Lord High underling is... No, no, no. The messenger. When the messenger is being hanged, I think, right? Like being dragged yeah. out to be hanged. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the messenger scream as they were being taken off, who's going to deliver the messages? <laughs> like that was like, that was my little... <laughs> like, that was my little... Because they were so concerned about their job, you know, they were Aww. they were concerned about these excellent That's
1: super sweet. Um, do do my job. So,
2: but it's funny because, like, as you're reading this out, like, I'm remembering number one, the problem, not problem, but like the challenge, the
0: challenge, yeah,
2: of the the script for the stage play is that it is so dated you know it's so rooted in 1974 right, and like yeah. it's it's filled with jive and it's filled like it's just so slangy and like in a way that like I'm sure in 1974 didn't even feel like it was like real you know <laughs> slang to like yeah. the majority of the audience you know yeah. was going to see it um but then also, I was um, It was really frustrating for me actually doing The Wiz because I felt like the whole sort of thesis of The Wiz, to me at least, was like, you're doing The Wizard of Oz, but you are putting a new interpretation of it. You're not putting Dorothy in a blue gingham dress. You're doing something else. You know, and like, so everything was not the choice that people were familiar with. And also, at least my approach to it when I was working on costumes and makeup and things was like... Also, I don't want to do what they did on stage in the 70s, in the 90s. I didn't want to do what they did on the film. Like, I, it was like, we're going to remix this thing because that's kind of in the spirit of this. And it was just so hard.
0: Yeah. Because, because like,
2: you, like, there are things that work, you know, for the story, for the costumes. But to do the whiz is to say, we're going to do our own stylistic version of this. Um, So that was really, really hard. And it's funny because I was directing The Wizard of Oz on stage, the Royal Shakespeare Company version, and we were slated to open, I want to say, something like March 24th, 2020. And so we had the entire show rehearsed, costumes, everything and we never performed that production actually oh, I'm sorry. Um, because of covid oh yeah God. so that was my like it was 10 years later it was oh. my return to oz and i've always wanted to direct the wizard of oz on stage and i was so excited to more than more than seeing the show i directed i mostly just wanted to hear the score yeah you know with an orchestra and i yes. i never i never had that chance we just never got there in rehearsals it's so oh. close.
1: We are I, putting it out there in the world. It'll return. That it returns.
2: I hope so. I had an eight foot tall puppet head of Oz.
1: Yes, wow! It was
2: amazing. This great puppet. But what can you it's do? It's Gotta
1: happen. Oh
0: gosh, twenty twenty. Rob just. So, I know so many uh, moments. So
1: many gems.
0: <laughs> my uh, puppet. Oz.
1: <laughs> my eight foot puppet. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, getting out of that scene, back to the shoe (laughs) footage. Yeah, so that scene ends, and then we have this funky Funky monkey monkey ballet. Who doesn't love a ballet? The
0: dance depicts the treachery of the winged monkeys as a mob. And the capture and kidnapping of Dorothy and her friends. And then we just have Eveline ending the scene with, All of us will be mine." And that's the end of where we are at in the film to the musical.
1: Oh, I love a Funky Monkey Ballet. I love a Funky Monkey. Sounds like a, a Ben and Jerry is. flavor. Isn't it a Ben and Jerry? Funky Monkey Ballet. So, yeah. Chunky Monkey. Chunky monkey. That's,
2: that's it. Chunky Monkey.
1: Uh, it should be funky though. That'd be better. <laughs> yeah, that'd be way better. <laughs> love it. Oh my oh, goodness. All right. Rosies. Let
0: us come in to the film scene. Is there anything that struck you as a parallel to today's times or anything that you were reflecting on in the themes of this scene of the sweatshop, perhaps of, um, a dominating female presence. Um, in and it's kind of a, it's an unconventional role for a female presence, especially mm-hmm. of the time anything stand out to either of you there that you were thinking about or researching more on whatever comes up
2: And I was thinking um I feel like the sweatshop and this was my like wacky like thought on this which I don't know if this is just me out of my field but like the fact that they are manufacturers and exporters of sweat like I was just thinking Ew. about like all of the fabric making is really just, like, a vehicle to make the sweat? Right. Like, are they yes. even selling the clothing, right. you know? Like, right. they're doing all of this stuff. Like, I was just like, what? that seems like a lot of work if they're just <laughs> exporting the sweat, and then who's buying the sweat? Where
1: does the sweat go? Well, here's a little where bit of... Where the sweat go? Here's it goes of,
2: all over that sign, you know? It's yeah, that's all over where that it sign. is.
1: Like is, there... and that's
2: an amazing opening shot. That I shot of like dripping wet I... sign.
0: Wing! I need like to do to fan myself when I look at that sign. Yeah, it is
1: burn. It has a burning yes. energy to it. If you touch it, you will get burnt.
0: Just to presence when this was happening. So this is from our souvenir program that we have of the film. So this scene was shot at Astoria Studios. So Kaufman Astoria Studios. Um, where the interior of Eveline's sweatshop had been constructed, complete with 96 old-fashioned sewing machines, wow, giant rotating fans, glass roof and overhead sprinkling system, and gargoyles peering down from the lintels, with Eveline's throne resembling nothing more classic than an enormous toilet bowl. <laughs> and it also notes here that a set visitor during this episode was Mrs. Coretta King, widow of Martin wow. Luther King, which there are pictures what? of.
2: Oh I oh I need to Google these pictures.
0: Yeah,
2: oh, she's on the set?
0: Yeah. There's a picture. We shared it, I think, on Martin Luther King Day on our Down the YBP Instagram. It's Coretta talking oh, to wow. Diana. Yeah. That's great. They're like holding hands. It's really sweet. Oh, They're sitting wow. in the direct the classic director's chair and just having a nice little moment. So that just 96 old fashioned sewing cool. machines. That's pretty cool. But yeah, you're right. Like, are they just working? <laughs> to- right. Why can't they just like run a mile or something? I mean that that routine they do. Yeah, though. They could
1: that dance routine is cardio. Maybe they're oh yeah. Maybe they're just forced to make the garments for Eveline? Is Yeah, that like a side maybe that's hustle. Because
0: her costume <laughs> maybe. is nuts, which is right. on view right now at the yes. Academy Museum of I Motion can't Pictures wait in to California. Go see that. It's one of the major, I think, memorabilia from the Wiz that is out there which is pretty cool yeah I did listen to an interview with Tony Walton a while back and I think he said Tony Walton um, who is the production coordinator and the costume designer he said that he put like tiny baby doll
1: I saw those little hands baby doll hands little tiny hands (laughs) that dress is incredible and our friend shout out Tiffany got to go see it at the museum there's this cool website or cool article online right now called make film history, more inclusive. Uh, and they interviewed Jacqueline Stewart, who is the chief artistic and programming director at the new Academy museum of motion pictures. Um, and they had this little inter- uh, interchange that I thought was really sweet. So the interviewer says, you mentioned the Ruby slippers from the wizard of Oz as being the Mona Lisa of the museum. And I know you must love all your children equally, but do you have a personal favorite object? And Jacqueline says, no qualms, it's Eveline's costume from The Wiz, no question. That's actually a costume that I just think about independently sometimes, like, wow, the wow. detail of that dress, the way that Mabel King sort of flounces around in it, in that performance. It's just one of the most striking cinematic objects, I think, ever. And I have to say, when I was talking to Bill Kramer about this role and he was giving me a virtual tour of the museum and he mentioned Eveline's dress, that totally sealed the deal for me because it's from a film that I love and it told me that this museum really was incorporating multiple strands of film history and recognizing artists that had not been recognized with that kind of care before. Interesting. I'll link mm. that article because it, it goes on, but even the photo I saw of it being displayed, it's so just imposingly... I also wonder how
0: tall she was. She seems tinier, right? Yeah, Yeah. just from looking. Yeah, she seems small, which I don't get that though from the film. Like she feels like a massive presence, mm -hmm. and then you see that dress, and it looks looks very tiny. tiny. Mm -hmm.
2: And I think there's something about the scale of like her width, and I don't mean like in terms of her body. Like obviously, the dress is designed to like it's a big it's not flowy but it's just a very wide you know dress and she comes out with the like there's something about the juxtaposition of her physicality with the dancers that are all these sort of like generic almost faceless like almost like like their bodies are all in, in this like monochromatic there's something that just stands out so much about the detail of her costume and sort of like the just almost there's something blase about everyone else's costumes. You know what I mean? Right. There's something I just right. really find fascinating about that. Um, I, I can't imagine how much that costume weighed. Like that's I don't yeah, know why that's like the way my brain always works. When I see people yeah. in costumes like that, I'm always like, oh my God. Like how did they, that's the sweatshop. Just watch, just take off her dress, wring it out. And then just. <laughs> that. There it
1: is. Ooh. Ooh. I also love the fact that she wears this. Like, the character, like, she (laughs) feels... To me, it's a gorgeous dress. I actually want to wear it. Like, it's just fantastic. It's... it's I, I think of the word mesmerizing. Like, I just could look at it for hours. But the fact that that's her outfit for the day, like... Live your life. I love
0: it. She also has a Sanderson sister minus having two Sanderson sisters on yeah. her talk about her. She does, yeah, She has a very, her. like, yeah. Yeah.
2: She's, on, where, she's like, on the hunt. She's on the hunt.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes, that definitely, like, I think the dress gives her that power. Yeah. I will say the dress does feel like it probably transforms Mabel King.
1: Thank you so much for joining us for Part 1 of Eveline's Sweatshop. Please join us for Part 2 dropping this Wednesday.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling frisky with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a glowing rate and review.
1: Each person who leaves us a review will be entered to win our end-of-the-season Oz giveaways, including a gift basket of musical adaptation goods, which, trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Until next time, catch us at Down the Yellow Brick Pod in our Technicolor scrapbook on IG and partying on our Patreon. Gratitude to our patrons of present and future for making more magic possible.
0: Let's escape to Oz soon, okay?
1: TTYL!